Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of On the Shoulders of Giants with Rabbi Shmuel Bloom. Today we're going to be talking about the building of Agudas Yisrael. Back in 1923, as we learned the first Knesset Gadol with the Chafetz Chaim, they started the Agudas Yisrael, where all the Jews come together to work together to create one big community. Because before the Holocaust, all the Jewish yeshivas, communities, and rabbanim was based in Europe. After the Holocaust, that Lo'olainu, that got destroyed, and it moved to America, so now they needed to rebuild what the Agudah was in Europe. They needed to rebuild it in America, because that's where most of the Jews were. So Rabbi Bloom is going to take us behind the scenes with incredible stories and insights from Rabbi Elimelech Tress, and later on Rabbi Maisha Sher, and at the beginning of the years of Agudas Yisrael in America, how the Torah Jewish community turned from almost nothing. They had nobody right after the Churban of Europe that they were mamish wiped out. There was almost nothing. How they brought it to the thriving and huge community all over the United States that it is today. It was such an incredible and long journey. Starting next week, we are going to have a daily short cheer from Rabbi Yehoshua Berman getting ready for Rosh Hashanah. He's going to give us stories and chizuk to prepare the best way that we can for Rosh Hashanah. This year, we're going to be on our YouTube channel, so go and make sure that you are subscribed. I'm going to have the link in the description. You're also going to be able to find them on our website, jfoundations.com. So get ready for Sunday, and now let's get to today's episode. I'm Yisrael Yudkowski, you are listening to the Foundations Podcast. We are going to start talking today about Agudas Yisrael. Uh, how it all started, obviously we spoke about the Knesset Gedaila with the Chafetz Chaim, you know, there's the famous video of the Chafetz Chaim. We all were like, oh, the Chafetz Chaim, you know, finally have a video. But the other historic part of that video is that the first Knesset Gedaila, that it literally changed the whole, you know, life of the Jews in, uh, in Europe and ultimately in America and Eretz Yisrael. So we're going to start the, um, talking about Agadis Yisrael, how and when it all started. So Rabbi Bloom, take it away. Last time we spoke about the the difficulty, situ, the difficult situation in, in in Europe at the time of the uh, the early 1900s, and the, they tried to get they, they started working in the early 1909, 1912 or 13 was uh, uh, the Katowice Convention, and they wanted to have a Knesset to bring everybody together. First World War broke out. It wasn't uh, the communication wasn't the way it is today. The traveling wasn't the way it is today. Um, the first world, first world War broke out, and they did not have the Knesset until 1923. 1923, they finally had the gathering together. Uh, it was world news. Uh, the the video that you have of the of the, the the film that you have it's not a video. No. It's didn't have video at that time. The film that you have of the Chafetz Chaim was taken by Movie Tone News because they it was world news. And in the movie theaters in America, between they used to have to show two two films, uh, and between the two films they had the international news. And this was international news that they took pictures of what was happening in Europe, in, in Vienna, um, and uh, showed the people coming into the Knesset Gedele, this big gathering of Orthodox Jews from around the, around the world. What happened was that they developed the type of excitement that the, 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 the founders of Agnes Yisrael had, had been anxious for. Instead of being the downtrodden, old-fashioned uh, orthodoxy and Torah Jews and the, the secularism and, and Zion, political Zionism, that was the, the, the spirit of the future, they actually saw here that they were really people who were dedicated for the Masura, to listen to Gedele Yisrael, to come back and to bring back Torah and Yiddishkeit the way, the way, it, should, the way it should be and the way it belongs. So... The plans that they worked out, the resolutions that they made, for instance, uh, 
one of the big problems we mentioned last time also was was the girls. The girls didn't have any education. There was so, no Beis Yaakov. There was, there was no, no Beis Yaakov. Yeah. but it was small. It wasn't supported. At that time, the Gedolei Yisrael came out and said Beis Yaakov is the is the step of the future. It's it's it's, it's the vision of the future. It's what we have to do and we have to support. All the time we said not to teach girls in in Jewish schools. Let them learn at home. But the homes weren't there. They weren't teaching. Then the street was teaching the, the reverse. So they felt that they had to support the work of Beis Yaakov, and all of a sudden, Beis Yaakov began to flourish, and tens and I mean, hundreds of schools and cities all over all over Europe began to develop Beis Yaakovs, which trained girls. The girls that had the Basia, they had the, the youth groups, what we call today Benosagodis Yisrael, is they, they started going, and the girls and the women began to play a role in the maintenance of, of Torah, and the maintenance of Yiddishkeit, which was a tremendous, tremendous effect. There was the press, the, the newspapers, were always anti-religious. We used to make a fun of Torah Jews. And all of a sudden, Agudis Yisrael, it inspired, he says, a Bisyakov journal, newspapers, a Hamadiyah, uh, other newspapers well, that came. Hamadiyah really was from, from Europe. Then? Or started wow. in Europe. And, and started, and you're able to open up a newspaper and you see a Torah Dika view. You see that the real truth is, is, is what's happening in the world. And 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 that guidance and direction from daily soil. This was 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 another factor, um, and then of course the 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 Kinsiga there was an L, and mm-hmm. on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, in Ger they have a break between Shachris and 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 and, and Musaf, and they have an hour of learning, and the Ger Rebbe said, please bring me a Gemara Brochus. I'm going to start Baruchas Tavbeis with a Dafyomi. And once the Rebbe wow. did that, so thousands of Hasidim joined. So they, this unity of Klayasur were in cities throughout the, of Europe, he says, and, and in America, we'll talk about soon, he says, people started learning Dafyomi, all learning together. He says, that was the excitement that started from 1923. So was, that was that Rosh Hashanah Taka, 1923 that it started? Right? There was... Poly Yisrael was started for workers. People needed Parnassa to train people for jobs, to help people get jobs. He said they started Poly Yisrael, the workers of Agudis Yisrael, in order to do it. But you didn't have to go to the friar to, 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 to the non-religious in order to get Parnassa, in order to get a job. Here you had from the Eden, Agudis Yisrael working together to try to help you to create like from job environments, from job environments, and and from jobs, and for from businessmen to, to hire from people uh, mm-hmm. to to get them to work. So they started caring Eretz Yisrael. It is the support of Eretz Yisrael and 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 the most and they started most this in, in Eretz Yisrael, kibbutzim or shavim that they started in Eretz Yisrael and they started working on it. And this is these all of these developments started going like almost like the golden age. Of Agudis Yisrael in the time of Europe, the, the, they they had community elections. Now Agudis Yisrael began to take part in community elections, and they had representatives in the in in the community in in, in the community, and they did well. They did 20, 30, 40 percent. Almost much better than wow. even there to Yisrael today. About thirty four percent of the of the people in 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 the Jewish community councils were were representatives of Agudis Yisrael. They sent representatives to the Polish Congress to the same. Rameya Shapiro, the Raisharov, Rav Levine, was were 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 representatives of Agudis Yisrael in the Congress of the uh, of, uh, of 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 Poland. Wow, it's like Rameya Shapiro and their mamas like congressmen. And they were the, congressmen. Wow. They were congressmen in 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 the Polish Congress. So these are the things that were going on is, is at the time, which developed from the Knesset Gedolah from the nineteen twenty three the the L nineteen twenty three of Tafresh Bey Gimel Knesset Gedolah. But so it was mamish like it's crazy to see like before there was just small communities and here you know they were doing their thing they were doing their there's no newspapers no even Yaakov and no like no in the government and mamish nothing and this you know the mamish like the video of the Chafetz Chaim like you know that Knesset mamish like just changed kind of like put them on the map yeah you, know, you could say is exactly mamish uh, right. like such a dramatic change yeah right it was a dramatic change. In order to stem the tide of losing the youth, of losing the community, of being downtrodden, of being disrespected, um, 
all of a sudden they got back the respect and they got back the, the what didn't change the whole world. It was still a fight. There's still a battle. There was still the secularists. They 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 still the they were communists. These Jewish communists. There's still 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 battles on the street, but at least they were battling. At least they were fighting. They were fighting back and and making progress. Turn to the United States. At this time, also in preparation for the Consigliere, the leaders of Agustus Searle sent a delegation to the United States to try to build an Agudas in the United States. Um, Rafael Dasheimer, Ramea Domplatska, I think Rav Nelson Birnbaum, Dr. Nelson Birnbaum was a Balchuva, he was one of the, the, uh, um, one of the assistants of, of Herzl um, in starting mm-hmm. the Zionist movement. And then he realized that it, it wasn't taking us to the right place and ultimately became a Balchuva and was the the, the philosopher, the ideologue, and so for Agudasi Searle, the, the one who did many of the writings um, of Agudasi Searle, is they came to America and they went to Philadelphia and New York and Baltimore and Boston. They went to cities throughout and they had nice crowds because here these very Choshevarab on him came from Europe and they wanted to, and, and, and most of the Jews in America were, were refugees. So were people mm-hmm. who had come in the 1890s or the 1910s or 20s, and they remembered the, these, these Rabbonim. So they came, they, they had significant crowd, but La Maisa didn't really get much done because the Americans weren't interested in us. People would come off the boat and throw the shaitl in, 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 in the river and they're coming to the free America. It's yeah, an America, free country, you know. Free country, the golden Medina, the golden yeah. country, but but that, that belonged to Europe. There were a few Yechidim, a few individuals, who felt that this Ruach that was coming from, from, from Europe should be recreated also in America, as difficult as it was. There were hardly any yeshivas, hardly any schools. Even in Europe, where, you know, obviously there were a lot of Jewish communities, but there wasn't like a strong, uh, you know, base. It was kind of each thing on its own. So even them, you know, because most of them did come before the 1923. So even them, you know, what they had in Europe, it wasn't the like big power, what they wanted to bring now. So, you know, even if they did say, oh, you know, we'll go back to like the from days in Europe, it still wasn't what they were trying to bring. It was, you know, something completely new to them. Exactly. Yeah. And and there were some Yechidim who wanted to hold on. And uh, I know Repesel David Schoenfeld came a little bit later. Uh, he came here, he was a refugee, he had learned in yeshiva in Europe, but he couldn't find anybody, couldn't find Chabrusa. He was walking on the street in the east side, and he heard a voice that sounded like somebody learning Torah. And it, it didn't sound familiar for, for, for the streets that he was used to in America. And he followed. He went up to, I think, the second story in where the voice was coming from. And it was Gedal Yeshua who was giving a Daf Yamishia. Wow. And he had a few young boys who were the nucleus of an Agurisi there. And they were, they were learning Daf Yami. And he says, this is where I belong. And he went and he joined and he went and became a part of, of that group. These are the types of little groups that you had, uh, a group in, in Williamsburg, this was on the east side, which was, they used to always call this a, the, the branch number one of Agudas Yisrael, it was the first yeah. one that was found in America. Yeah, so like there was Agudas Yisrael but, uh, in America, but it was still like very small, it very wasn't small. as big as Europe yet? But not only wasn't it as big as Europe, the whole concept of what it was, was different. It was a place where the few who were interested in holding on to their Torah and Yiddish guide had a place to go. Mm-hmm. They had Minyanim, that little branch Minyanim. They got together sometimes for Shiurim, like Rabbi Shore gave a Dafyam Yishia for them. Um, they had little places where they get together. Um, I think I told over the last time the story um, of uh, Tzirei and Tzirus, Agudas Yisrael of, of, of Brownsville. Um, the notes that uh, Yonel Lazar, uh, my son-in-law, Yonel Lazar, had that his grandmother wrote in the minutes. She was the secretary of the Tzirei, Agudas Yisrael, and she wrote in the minutes that on that um, that meeting, 
uh, a new member, Jean Mantel, and her sister Elizabeth came to join. And they spoke about what they, their agenda was. And one of the things they were doing, they were raising money for this new concept of girls' schools in, in Beis Yaakov in, 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 in Europe um, and trying to help them. So it was a place where it wasn't much being done. It certainly wasn't the type of, 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 of things that were going on that they weren't oppressed and they didn't have some, a couple of Duff Yemishir, not many of that either. Mm-hmm. It was a place to come to Davin where those who wanted to hold on to the Masura, those who wanted to hold on to Torah and Yiddishkeit, in the street they couldn't find it. Where they worked, they couldn't find it. But here they had the opportunity to be a, among a group of people who, who, who had this concept. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like whoever wanted it, it gave them that option. But it's not necessarily that they went out to push it and to that, grow. Right. And, that for sure mm-hmm. not. It was, uh, you know, they would one one by one. They would they would try to get uh, people to come in, but the the it it was like a, a little bit of an oasis, a place where they could go to escape from what was happening in America, to be able to have chavrusa, to have some people, mm-hmm. as they say, like minded people are going to join them and 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 keep together, and that's what Agudas Yisrael in America was primarily through the 1930s when Gedali Yisrael came. Some Gedali Yisrael came to 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 uh um to to raise money for the yeshivas uh uh um they came so they had somebody to go to they had a source and the young men and women who were involved in agricultural had somebody to relate somebody to learn from because otherwise they didn't have that type of leadership in 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 america so it was it, it was it was small it was say a place Teach each other this together, mm-hmm. to daven together. So it's it's kind of the way I understand it. It's the exact opposite now. Is that America? I mean, that's where everything is. You know, Jewish and all the newspapers and the rabbanim and the issue. And if you go out to Europe, it's like you need to find the that like small community of twelve families or the chabatul to go to to kind of like still have that little connection and minion on Shabbos and like you said, Shalosh this together and so it was like that's it was just the opposite is that all the yeshivas were in Europe and in America that's where like you needed to like bits and pieces here You're and there. You make a very good point as Jews and Gullahs. Yeah. In Gullahs we move from one country to another we don't we don't lay root, put deep roots for, for, for any one place so this is this is really what the 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 the, the, when they wanted to know something about the Ashkaf of Agudas Yisrael, they would go to the library. They read books. They would see articles from, from, from Yaakov Rosenheim, uh, the, the president of Agudas Yisrael, Agudas Yisrael. But they didn't have that handy. They couldn't go online and and you know, yeah. and, figure, and listen to Torah time, Torah and time, and, yeah. and and listen to to get a podcast from yeah, from, J from, Foundation, from J yeah. Foundation. <laughs> they didn't have that, so they had to search for it. So it had to be really people who were looking for it, people looking searching for it, and they found that. And there were yichidim in in the different groups that really held on, and they're the ones who had their children uh, go on. Now, in the 1930s, there was a development. Um, one of these people who came into the Aguda branch, I think on the east side, was a fellow who was, didn't really fit in so easily. He wasn't one of these European refugees, somebody who learned yeshiva in Europe. He was somebody who was born in America, um, really didn't have much of a yeshiva education. His family was from, um, went to college, college educated. But somehow he, he fell into the group and, and he liked the, the Chavrusa there. And ultimately he rose to, uh, oil rises to the top, ultimately he rose to a position where he became the leader of the organization of Agudas Yisrael of America. And his name was Mike Tress. Uh, they called him Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the book, what yeah, they call, the they book, call him? They, they called him Mike. They called yeah. him Mike. The, the family now wants to call him Rabbi Limelech Gabriel Tress. Is his by his Hebrew name because... Uh, is, but so you said the, the, they had the name project in the early... That's right. Uh, well, not, 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 not yet. Well, it wasn't right, that right, way. He says, yes, they want to go there. Uh, later yeah, on, we'll yeah. talk about Jackson Mills had a Shik project. The Shik, Shik project is Shem Yisrael Kodesh and trying to get people to use the Hebrew names. Mm. And and people changed their names, actually. So, it was so legally they changed it? Uh, 
Not necessarily. Just this like what, this what, this what they, they call by. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As we go along and in history, when children were born, they gave the children Hebrew names, right? So mm-hmm. they didn't have to change their names. That became the standard. People, of course, know were known by their uh, um, by by their Hebrew names. Yeah, um, like even now, like even on passports, everything. It's just you know you have your they, you have they, your Hebrew they, name. Hebrew names because that's 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 the name that, that's given. But that time, everybody had an English name. Even the firmest of the firm, foremost, um, I had one friend whose name was Yehuda. His parents actually gave him a Hebrew name, and he was he he would write on his papers Y Brody. He was, he was embarrassed by it, right? <laughs> he did the the, the uh, um, he he was embarrassed to, to use the Hebrew name, but slowly, um, I say the the Mike Tress became Melch Gabriel Tress in in today's vernacular. Now it's embarrassing to call him Mike, right? Yeah. Although they still use it on the cover of the book mm-hmm. uh, that they yeah. wrote about him, and he had organizational talent and organizational ability, and he realized that Agudas Yisrael had to be more than just a place where you would come to each other this together. And he hired at first the. That ultimately became Dr. Gershon Kranzler, who um, my wife taught on him. He was the the became the later on the principal of the Talmudical Academy of Baltimore, of TA mm-hmm. in Baltimore. Um, but at that time, he was one of the young fellows in the group, and he started building an organization, an organization that had membership, that that membership list, that began to do things. He had to do things beyond. What was done in the in in, in just being together, which was it's not only thing. that place that whoever wants could come, it's also to reach out to others and to more than reach out to to, to do things for others. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it happened to be at the time, just before the Second World War, and America began to change, and refugees started coming from Europe who had to escape Europe in the late 1930s, that they escaped the Nazi regimes. And they came to America. And who would take them in? Where would they go? They bought a building, 616 Bedford Avenue. And 16, 616 Bedford Avenue became a refugee home. It's where people could come to stay part to, temporarily until they can find a place to stay. Um, they had a place to go. They had a shul there. It's just, you know, for the community and, and, and the, for I mean, this is all the things they've been doing until now. But they said... In order to get out of Europe, you had to have an affidavit. Somebody had to sign that they're going to support you. You're not going to become a, a welfare case and be supported by the government. Very different today. Hmm. It is today. It was there when a refugee came. The America didn't want to didn't want to to have all these poor people that that has to come to welfare and the tax money has to support them. So in order to get a visa to come into the United States, you had to have somebody sign an affidavit. They went around. They got the people. It's um, kind of like the said, adoption papers, you know, to make sure there's a family you know, that's going to help you and take care of you. Take care of you when you come in. Mm-hmm. Um, Louis Septimus, who was one of the, the founders of Agudas Yisrael of America, um, all of a sudden had like 50 or 100 cousins. There's all his cousins he was signing for and saying wow. that that uh, that they come. They, they basically were saving their lives. Somebody had to go to the government to advocate for them. To advocate for, for for cases, to try to get them in, to get the visas, and at that time there was no Agudas Yisrael as we know it today. They're representing um, with with constituent services, you know, to represent the government. But there wasn't really anyone to turn to if you needed help with these stuff, if, right? Uh, and that had to be developed. And mm-hmm. here, the founding of an Agudas Yisrael that was an active organization that was doing things, he says, began to develop. And began to service this. Hakadosh Baruch Hu maybe prepared the the refuah before the Makkah. Uh, Hakadosh Baruch Hu knew what was going to happen um, a few years later, and he saw to it that Agudas Yisrael, his Agudas Yisrael, began to be formed and develop an office. And the, Mike Tress used to run back and forth from Washington and so on, develop contacts in in order to be able to 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 help. Where um, you mean run back from, from New York, from New York, from Washington? That, that's where the main. That's the, the, where like the main, the main... It was, it was in New York. It was, it was mm-hmm. in Williamsburg. Right, the mm-hmm. office was it was in Williamsburg, and that's that's where we're. So the like the main like most of the Jews, that's like the area that they were. Uh, then, that was the, the east side. They they, they upgraded to Williamsburg. Right, mm-hmm. Williamsburg. The, the east side actually there were differences between the Aguda on the east side and the Aguda in Williamsburg. The Aguda in Williams in, in on the east side were more European refugees. 
um, people had people had come from European and and America was ready. People who upgraded to to, to living in we're Amazburg, American, yeah. yeah, we're, yeah. we're more American mm-hmm. and 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 American, more American born or young youth coming from America and, and sometimes didn't disagree on everything. So you know, when they got together mm-hmm. at conventions or other things, he says they 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 worked to they had to work things out between them. It wasn't mm-hmm. the, it was always you know Jews. Two Jews, yeah, they always need to have the, the <laughs> yeah, two opinions. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, they have two opinions and two and yeah. two outlooks. And two it's, like, it's like the jokes they say there was, you know, this town that there was only one one from guy there. There was no, you know, he was the only guy that lived there. So on Shabbos, he used to try to bring, he's like a wealthy guy. He like built himself an own shul. And, you know, he used to bring for Shabbos, he used to bring yeshiva guys and have guests, you know, at least on Shabbos to try to have a minion there because his mom, she was the only from person there. So one time the few yeshiva bacharim came over and they're on the way to shul. They see in the middle of the town, there's another shul. So like, like, whose is that? He's like, oh, I also built that shul. So he said, like, why do you need two shuls? You're literally the only guy in this town. He said, oh, this is the shul that I dive in, and this shul I never step a foot in. You, know? like, you always need to have, like, you know. Exactly. The two yeah. pieces, yeah. yeah. Right. So they, they had the group, but, but slowly but surely, that developed. And Agudis Yisrael, as the war went on, and as the refugees started coming, after the war, Mike Tress went to the DP clamps, the displaced person camps. He came back um, with the stories of what happened in Europe. Um, there was Jewish Tribune. Uh, by, by the way, they say that people didn't know what was happening in the Jewish Tribune, which was the, the newspaper of Tziragudis Yisrael at the time. They had all the stories in the 1940s and 42 and 43 and 4. They, they, they knew, maybe they didn't know to the extent it was. But then... Well, like this, with the Holocaust? With the Holocaust, right? They mm-hmm. say people, well, we didn't know. Right, but but the, probably this was such a hard. First of all, also like now we have the internet, everything. Even if right. it doesn't happen, everybody knows about it. Right. <laughs> like, right. um, uh, but back in that, it was probably much harder for it to spread. And also, it was kind of like such a crazy thing because you know the Jews, especially I'm sure. So after they started with all the newspapers and in the government and everything you know, that it was all starting, it was probably such a hard thing to believe. Like, what are you even talking about? Concentration camps? And it, like, it was probably such a hard, you know, thing to believe. Right. So, therefore, um, people think, or people say, that, well, in America, we didn't know, and the government didn't know, and the others, but I looked at the newspapers, the Jewish Tribune, which was the Tzirah Israel newspaper in 1942 and 43, and they tell all the stories. Maybe not to the extent, mm-hmm. but they story about Jews being killed, and so on. They, they knew. Maybe they didn't want to know, some people. Certainly the government, Roosevelt, probably didn't want to know. Um, but uh, but uh, they knew, and they um, actually, Agudis Israel was big enough that they were picking it. They were picketed by a group that wanted to boycott uh, the the Polish government, and they didn't want to send food there. And Agudis Yisrael was sending packages of food to the to the starving Jews. Agudis Yisrael from America was sending packages. So they came to mm-hmm. to to boycott to to picket against Agudis Yisrael for sending food to the Jews. Is, hmm. you know, because they, they wanted to, you know, the most important thing to them was the war effort. America should win the war. They don't care if... No, nah, this is during the, during the Holocaust the, the, when it was during the Holocaust, during the, the time of the Holocaust. So this is... Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess developed into the, the, after, the, the, uh, after the war. You had, all of a sudden, these American Jews who were trying to maintain their terror in the Yiddish guide and so on, but then they they got trained. They they were Americans. Well, just quick to go back, what happened to the Agudas Israel that wasn't based in Europe? Uh, I mean, obviously during the war, you know, I'm sure it got destroyed. But like, where we were as Agudas Israel holding, because like the main, like you said, it was mainly in Europe and in America it was just kind of starting to be built. So were there like those those few years that like Agudas Israel came out, they, like it was very small. In, in, in during the war, after the war, yeah, I'm saying like what after like, the war they were gone. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I actually take take it back a little bit. For the most part, Agudas Israel was gone. They were killed out. Right, hundreds of thousands of Jews, you know, the, 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 who were members of Agudas Yisrael at the time, the, the masses of of from Jews were were annihilated. In the DP camps, there were groups that started groups of Agudas Yisrael. 
Wow. In this place, where I have pictures of where I can share pictures of people. Now the war is over. We're not just going to be you know, refugees. We're going to build. We're going to do, and we're going to build our good Cicero. This and, is in Europe. This so. is in Europe. It's Europe, in the DP mm-hmm. camps. And Mike Tress went to the DP camps, <clears throat> and he saw what was going on there, and he brought back their stories to America and said, America has to help. And Baruch Hashem, we survived the war, and we can help. But what developed was a a mizug, a, a joining together of Americans who knew America and knew how to act in America, and people who had the spirit of Agudisya Sorrel, those mm. few survivors that came out, and they slowly came into America. Ah, because they, because they were in Europe before the war when Agudo was really. But they knew what Agudo was. They knew what Agudo mm-hmm. was capable of, and they knew what to build. So the the rebuilding of America was done by this combination, this homogenization of Americans who held strong in the twenties and thirties, who joined together now with the refugees who are coming, who with many of them tell me the and activists and people who knew the Hashkaf of Agurisisural, and they were able to put it together. And this joint effort, mm. he says, began to develop into a, a new uh, rebuilding of terror in Yiddishkeit in America. Of kind of what Agadis Israel and what the Jewish community was in Europe before the war. So the people that were there and lived it and knew what it was, they came to America, but then there are the people who lived in America that kind of knew how to, you know, put it into action and actually, you know, make it happen based on, because obviously Europe and America was probably also before the war and after the war and, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was so different. Again, and they worked together with the work of, of uh, during the war, they, they had developed the Vat Hatzola, and it's also to save Jews, to bring Jews out. Um, and also, Shagafai Mendelovich had started Term Sura. And Term Sura was working to, 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 to uh, Term Sura was working to, to build yeshivas, to build day schools throughout the country and all sections of New York. So these Jews right, who were building Agudis Yisrael and building the Terms were rebuilding. A, a, an infrastructure for Torah Yiddishkeit in this country. Um, but they were still weak. They were refugees, and they were a small group. They were there together. They worked together, and slowly were building things together. Um, they got very much into action also in 1956 when they had the Hungarian Revolution. What was and, that, the Hungarian the, Revolution? In, in communism, the, the Jews who remained in, in Europe were taken over by communism. Uh, the Russians moved in, and they took care of uh, the Austria and, and, and Hungary and Poland. They took control of it and also did not allow Terran Yiddishkeit to flourish and to grow. And in 1956, there was a revolution in Hungary, and there was no government. Hmm. So many of the Jews used it to sneak over the border. There was, the border was open, and they went over the border into Austria, and I go to see Searle organized uh, a home in Austria for, 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 for the refugees, for people who came. I had a, uh, uh, my father's brother and, and sister-in-law and, and, the, and the nephews, uh, my cousins uh, came over at that time, and many, many Jews just came from Hungary, they used the opportunity to escape from Hungary. But again, they came to nothing. Right, the, the, somebody had to advocate for them in the government to let, allow them to come into the United States, and somebody helped had to help them go to yeshivas, go to the schools, get, get housing. And I still had the experience of doing that after the Second World War, so they went again very much into action. Um, again, Mr. Tress was in Vienna and 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 built up that whole area. Um, there was another high point in in the development of Agudisisol of America. Mr. Tress got sick then. And the organization um, fell a little bit in disrepair. Um, they was the weak leadership. There was a board of... Uh, where, well, where, where was it holding before this happened? Then the TAC already did have it, a it, big, it was growing. base? It was growing. Again, not a very strong base, but a base. Mm-hmm. Um, Rabbi Shera had joined the staff of Agudis Yisrael in 1943. He worked as a volunteer. They had a um, Baltimore. He was a he was a bacher in 
in Yeshiva's Negesrol in Baltimore, and they had a Baltimore convention, and he was very active in it, and then he joined the staff of Yisrael and the work, he did the public relations for them, he did a lot of their writing, uh, a lot of the newspapers, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, that, the, that they had, he, he was, he, he wrote it, he wrote a column there, um, a lot of the Hashkofa, and he was on the staff. Um, but after the war, he felt there was not much to do. Um, you know, so he wanted to go into business. You know, he got into business, he went to, uh, to Rabaran, Rabaran had, Rabaran Cutler, who was the leader of Agudisi Sorol at that time, and, uh, um, the head of the Mutskdelia Terror, and he told him that he was going to leave. Um, the story, he has it, I don't remember exactly the story, but the, um, the Rebbitson started crying. He says, and how can you leave? And, and, uh, the, the Rabbonim didn't, didn't let Rabbi Cheryl. They say he stayed in the organization. Um, but it wasn't, they didn't really have, most of the work was being done to build the yeshivas, to build the communities and so on. And Agudis Israel didn't have that much of a role to play at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, and, and how, how did they fit in with the government? Because they know now, obviously, there's, you know, much tighter with the government. And here in Israel, they have the parties and, and all that. Like, at that point, were they strong, like, in the government? Were, it was just kind of like their it, own thing, building the yeshivas it, and communities. It, it was, it was, uh, it was weak. It was weak. The government, the government affairs for the Jewish community were being handled by Organizations like the American Jewish Congress and the, uh, um, the they were working. There shouldn't be anti-Semitism, and sometimes we, we disagree with them. For the most part, they represented us, and we from community minded its own business. Yechidim had the problems getting Jews in for, for from from Europe, getting Jews from Hungary. There was, there was some work that was done, but not really in a major way. In a major mm-hmm. way, for the kind most part, doing their own thing. We needed. We used to build a community, and we used we used a lot of time to fry Eden to 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 represent us, um, mm-hmm. and 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 to uh, you know to to build. They they did have there was a you know was more known like the Jewish community, not yes, Dafka the, from. Yeah, the 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 non from community had the, the Bnei B'rith and the World Jewish Congress and the, the American Jewish Congress. Um, mm-hmm. The the and they worked representing the Jewish community discrimination. Anti-Semitism on on issues like that. Uh, Rabbi Sher told me about a meeting that he had. The there was a, a board of Balabatim who were in charge of the finances of the organization, and there were times they didn't get paid for almost a year. Wow. The, the the staff, the little staff that they had, uh, I think they were nine months behind in pay, and they were spending all their time. Um, borrowing money from people in order to pay the payroll. And when they had, once you borrow money from somebody, you can't ask them for a contribution. Right? Mm. So they, they weren't able to ask for a contribution. So they, they were like, stuck oh, that Could you doing. donate money to the yeshiva? And they're like, here's it back, what I owe you. Like, it's not, it doesn't really work. You know? Right, right. So they, yeah. so they end sounds, up not, well, Unfortunately, it sounds familiar. You know, I'm sure a lot of yeshivas and Kalim that, you know, they're yeah. months behind in pay. And, right. and so, even still today, it's. Uh, right. So that time, the, the, the finances of the organization were very bad. And there was a meeting of the uh, management board, and they said to Rabbi Shera, Rabbi Shera, um, you're going to have to take over the fundraising. You're going to have to go and, and raise funds for the organization. And Rabbi Shera was so upset, it was something that he hated to do, and he wasn't interested in it, and he walked out of the meeting. Hmm. And Mr. Plagman, was a cousin of Mr. Tresses and then Rabbi Sherr was also they were cousins. Uh, Rabbi Sherr and, and Mr. Tress were, were cousins. Cousins, cousins. <laughs> and their mothers were sisters. And uh, Mr. Plagman came out and went over to Rabbi Sherr and said, "Rabbi Sherr, even if the Balabatim raise the money for you, it's going to be their organization, and they're going to be running it." Yeah, at the end of the day, where the money comes from, right. that's who runs it. You know, exactly. You know, no matter what. <laughs> if you raise the money, then it'll be able to be your organization, and you're going to be able to shape it in the way that you'd like to have it, in the way it should be. And Rabbi Sher thought it over, and he undertook that assignment. And he, he went out to raise money, and he went way beyond the, the firm community. He went to, he became very close to Speaker McCormick, the Speaker of the House, representatives mm-hmm. from, from Massachusetts, from Boston. 
And he got very close to him. And Mike McCormick used to send out letters for the for projects of Agassiz Searle. Um, and, and raise money then, and he gave him contacts. He was, uh, you know, it's Mike McCormick, oh. Rabbi Sher, his rabbi. So at that time, it was the first time that the you know, Orthodox Jew got, got close to somebody, and he was helpful, and he went, he got raised money from, uh, um, the, uh, from the uh, Henry Ford, he's from the hmm. Ford Motor Company, he, he made contacts and so on, and he got them to, to fund projects of the Aguda, which, which helped the finance of the Aguda, and the Aguda began to come out. He also made a rule that uh, we're not allowed to borrow any money. Hmm. It says, borrowing money is like eating chametz on Pesach. It's also the doing. And why? Why is that? Huh? He says, because then you can't raise the money. Mm. Exactly for that reason. So you end up not money, and, and you're always under, you're, you're further and further into debt. You're just borrowing so money to pay yes. back and then yeah, borrowing right. again to pay back that bill. bill and Right. So you're spending all your time on that and you can't get any work done. Mm-hmm. You can't get any work done. You can't really raise any funds. And you can't get any work done. So we're going to stop raise, stop borrowing money and we'll have to raise it. And if we don't have it, we won't pay the bills, but ultimately we get paid. And uh, Rabbi Sherr turned into a situation where Agrisistrol paid their bills, they caught up on to the payroll, and they paid things on time, and they 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 were raising money and um and uh and and, and supporting themselves. Now this is a point already that after Rabbi Sherr took over. Rabbi Sherr took over as that. Mm-hmm. Now something important happened then. What happened was, was I mentioned that the support for um when you need government support and government aid, um, you need help from the government, they would go to the those who were the professionals and the American Jewish Congress, American Jewish Committee, and the B'nai B'rith, and so on, people with years and years of experience of relations with the political leadership. And um, they would represent us. What happened was an issue came up, the issue of aid for non-public schools. The yeshivas needed money, and the yeshivas were growing. And by right, the government should support the yeshivas, especially the secular work, the helping out the child, the, the secular studies. It has nothing to do with, with, with religion. So now, the ones who were fighting, their Bible, their Torah, was separation of church and state. That the government has to be separate from, from religion, and cannot give a penny to a yeshiva. This is also the, this is the Jews. The also. Jews, mainly the Jews. This mm-hmm. was their big thing. This is the way we're going to fight anti-Semitism. We're going to fight anti-Semitism because we're not going to give money to the Catholics. We're not going to give money to the other religious schools. We're only going to go, these are secular Jews. They had no interest in the yeshivas. And they said, Separation of church and state was one of their most important principles. That's democracy. That's the United States of America, and we have to fight for it. Probably also sounds that they had much more power in the government uh, at that point, because I mean, they—I mean, the Gadis Israel from community—they they, they right. were just starting in the government, and they were there for many years before. Exactly. So. But mm-hmm. whereas up until now we used them as our representatives, it now came an issue where we couldn't use them. We they weren't were, happy with the representation. <laughs> they were on the other side. They were against us. And so in 1961, when they had hearings for a elementary and secondary education act in Congress, Rabbi Shera went to Washington, he went to Congress, and he testified in Congress for the bill instead of all the Jews being against it. And it was such news that the New York Times carried it on the front page. Wow. That a rabbi should be for aid to non-public schools. Just tell them everything they know is the Jews are, the, the Jews are against always it. The Jews against the Catholics. Mm-hmm. The Protestants couldn't carry either way. And it was the Jews against the Protestants, against the Catholics. And now and you here, have a Jew with the Catholics the Jews, that is agreeing. In fact, in fact when, when he went into to the congressional hearing, they had one section where the people who were for the bill were sitting and one section... With, out the, against, and Rabbi Sher walked in with his yarmulke and he sat down 
on the side of the people before the bill with the you know with with the Catholics and 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 the others who were fighting for the for the bill and uh, the usher said the rabbi I think you're on the wrong side he says no no I'm on the right side and he's on the right side and this is and, and his testimony was 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 printed in the New York Times wow. so that was the first development did, did they talk uh, did they talk get it get oh, the so what happened was Rabbi Sherry made friendship with a congressman by the name of you Carey and they worked day and night and they worked to pass the elementary and secondary school, school education act with the concept of helping the child that it's not a problem you're not helping the school you're not helping religion religion separation of church and state but what you're doing is you're helping the child and you're helping the child you can aid the child by giving aid to the children to the students in order to have their better education and that is something which ultimately passed and also developed a very, very warm and close relationship between Rabbi Shera and you, Carrie, who afterwards ran for governor of New York mm-hmm. and became the governor of New York. And there were times when I remember came in the office, um, uh, Rabbi Shera would get a call, I'm, I'm in the area, can I stop by? And the governor of New York State would come up the elevator on Five Beekman Street and come into Rabbi Shera's office and, and, uh, and, and, and discuss um, how to run the New York State. Oh, wow. Right, right? So, so that, that was the but development. He used to ask like, advice from Rabbi Sharon and stuff. He used to right? ask advice from Rabbi Sharon. Rabbi Sharon used to give So advice. Rabbi Sharon built New York, you know. <laughs> that's right, in many, in many ways, if, if you think the things that he did well. Yeah. Right? We won't take blame for the things that he, yeah. that he didn't do well. But this, is, but this developed into a situation um, the other part of that situation was the association of um, rabbinical and rabbinical and Talmudic schools, arts, which was um, the government gave a lot of money for college students, again, for the individuals, student loans, um, uh, work study programs, um, uh, grants, uh, and the question is whether yeshivas were eligible. And yeshivas were eligible through what they call the three-letter rule. If three colleges say that you're, they'll accept your credits, then you're considered a, a college. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they got in. And I was in the Navy Searle, and, um, uh, the, the, but there were accrediting agencies for the colleges. And you really had to be a part of the accrediting agency. I went with Rabbi Weinberg um, to the Middle States accreditation organization, Shiva's Navy Israel wanted to be accredited, and discussed with him, um, discussed having uh, the, the ability of what Navy Israel had to do in order to join their accrediting agency. And they said, well, of course, you know, if you're going to be a rabbi, you have to know English, so you have to take X number of credits in English, and in order to give smicha, you have to have credits in English and history, mm-hmm. and so on. And, and Rabbi Weinberg walked out of the meeting and said um, <clears throat> something that, that uh, I remember for forever. He said, he says, listen to what he means, not what he said. And he means I wasn't going to bring you in. He says, they weren't interested. They were interested in general studies, general colleges, mm-hmm. and so on. So in the end... The yeshivas had to start their own accrediting agency that the government should recognize. And Rabbi Shera worked to get the arts, the uh, Association of Advanced Rabbinic and Talmudic Schools, um, the accrediting agency to get it accredited by the government, recognized as an accrediting agency. And now yeshivas were able to get these programs directly as colleges. That, between the elementary school work, <clears throat> elementary and secondary school, and the college work, meant for the yeshivas hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, by at this point, billions of dollars. And the billions of dollars of money that went to support the yeshivas, which was the work of Agudis Yisrael, and became a primary work of Agudis Yisrael to the point that we opened the Washington office. He's a full-time Washington office. Rabbi wow. Yasher used to say, if in the Second World War, if Agudis Yisrael had a Washington office, maybe we could have saved many, many Jewish lives. Um, and here, at Washington office, worked for on all the different issues that we had to work um, and build up a... Um, a team at one point of five lawyers uh, working for the Shmir Shabbos for 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 eight non-public schools, to helping the yeshivas um, to Esregim. The the fruit fly um, was a uh, fly that went into the Mediterranean fruit fly, went into citrus crops, hmm. and 
the United States was afraid that um, it's going to come to the United States and, and destroy its crops, destroy the citrus, destroy the, the oranges in Florida, and, and so on. So the United States put a ban. No citrus fruits can come, no fruits can come into the United States. Well, you have till water. now, you have, hmm. uh, you know, in the airport, you can't bring any fruits. Right, so. you can't bring any fruits. Yeah. Right, so they had esregima fruits. Mm. And esregima can have the Mediterranean fruit fly. And they, they used to grow them. They grow them in Eretz In Eretz and bring to America. And bring it to America, like we have today. It's, it's a major business for Eretz and exporting, and people want to have Moshe Feinstein, Rosh Tshuva, and so on. It's a, it's a mile to have a, a, an asterisk from Eretz Yisrael. And the government said no. <laughs> that, that, that was an economic hardship for Eretz Yisrael, and also all the Jews who want to have an asterisk for, for Eretz Yisrael. So with his contacts, Rabbi Shera, the agricultural department, <clears throat> worked out a deal with the Israeli government and the American government that the Israelim stay in a warehouse, for a period of time, they get inspected, and if they get inspected, they get a seal on it, inspected by the United States government, and you're able to bring it into the United States. Wow. Right? So that was something now, the American Jewish Congress couldn't kill us. American Jewish Committee, right? B'nai B'rith, uh, right? Th these organizations, this wasn't their interest. But when there's an Agritia Searle that had these types of concerns, right, who, who understood the community, understood the needs of the community, and had the access to be able to go to to the Congress, is to go to, to the United States government and represent the Orthodox community. This was the beginning of what Rabbi Sherry used to call an independent orthodoxy. An independent orthodoxy, an orthodoxy that spoke for itself. Today we didn't people, rely on the other didn't parties rely on, to help them. On the other parties that we were able to help, we built coalitions with different groups. Sometimes we went together with them when we agreed. Sometimes we went with the Catholics. Sometimes we went with with other groups. We went with every group. We developed a coalition, but we were a party. We were a people. Agudas Yisrael was able to represent the from community, the growing Orthodox community in the United States. That is it for today. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you were able to learn something new. Hope you were able to put something in your pocket for life. Get ready for next week. We have a huge episode coming. It is going to be on Rabbi Moshe Sher's life. Rabbi Shmuel Bloom, who worked on almost a daily basis with Rabbi Sher for almost 50 years, is going to share with us incredible stories. One of them is Rabbi Sher going head-to-head -head with the Italian Mafia. It is an episode that you definitely do not want to miss. So make sure you are subscribed and following wherever you are listening on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, or wherever it may be. Also, give us a five-star review, a thumbs up, share the episode with a friend and family so they can enjoy it as well. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. We will be back next week.